Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co-hosts, Tom and William. Today, we're joined by our favorite guest among, I mean, one of our favorite guests, Aaron Goins from Star Wars Bookworms. Aaron, welcome back. I was going to take favorite guest. I'm cool with that. Yeah, as I mean, soon as you, you say that, Stephen, there's nothing you yeah, can do. Yeah, you, you can't, you can't back off of that. <laughs> you can be the favorite guest if you don't tell anyone else, because it'll just be a secret between you, me, Tom, and William. Yeah. Yeah, it's only going to be the I four promise. of us. Yeah, only the four. And of us. forty million of our closest friends. Shh, you're not supposed to say that. Actually, I mean, yes, best we, friends. Yeah, favorite I mean, William, isn't it really more like what's is seven billion now? I think, right? Yeah, seven billion. Wow. Okay. Yeah. No. I did not know we had that many downloads. <laughs> anyway, no, that's listeners. No. Well, <laughs> they download multiple times. Okay. Like the Womp Rats. <laughs> this week, getting back on topic before we really lose it. We're talking about Season 3, Episode 10 of Rebels, titled Inside Man. Will, you want to tell us a little bit more about the episode? Why, sure, Steven. I would love to. Um, no. Uh, I know, this... I know it's off the cuff, and you really don't have anything prepared about the episode. So Not Just at all. Whatever, you, all. whatever you have for memory. Well, let's see. Uh, if memory serves, this is the third, sorry, tenth episode of season three, uh, titled An Inside Man, as, as you just said. Uh, it was written by Nicole Dubuck, who I believe is uh, new to the series. I think she's a new writer. Um, I think I've heard that name. Her debut episode. And then uh, was directed by Stuart Lee. And uh, in this episode, seeking information on a new Imperial weapon, Ezra and Kanan infiltrate the Imperial facility on Lothal but they must trust an unlikely ally to escape a lockdown of the building. So this episode is, kind of, is, is a lot of fun. I mean, we go back to Lothal for the first time in quite a while. Right? Yeah. It's, it's, been a, mm-hmm. it's been a while, and they actually make a reference to that in the show itself, talking about how, uh, you know, how they miss it, how long it's been. Um, and, it was Ezra's uh, I mean, home. Everyone, yeah. Exactly. Even Thrawn mentions that you know, they, they always come back. Um, uh, to the, the the rebels they like oh they are very attached to Lothal and they always want to come back, but uh, it's changed now. There's a there's a huge imperial factory on the planet. We're starting to kind of find out what the empire was using Lothal for. We didn't really know that much uh, before, and uh, so there are imperial forces everywhere. They're basically pressing everyone into service to work into the in this in this factory, and Kanan and Ezra decide to do something about it. By teaming up with writer Azadi, um, and that's where really the episode begins, right? And we get this great chase through the streets of Lothal uh, on, on speeders with Kanan, Ezra, Ryder, and Chopper. Um, Aaron, I want to ask you, what did you think of the the this opening scene? They kind of kick things off as they do with most episodes with with a bang. I mean, it was action packed. It was an action packed opening which gave us one of the coolest scenes in the entire episode, which is the, the takedown of the Walker, you know, kind of the, the speeder flying through and Ezra on one side and Kanan on the other. Um, that was awesome. But if you really think logically about it all, it's like, why, why were they meeting him there? 
why didn't they just meet him at their camp? Excellent That's question. Good point. That is a very, very, very. very I think because they wanted an action scene. <laughs> yes, it, well, I mean, yes, it, it it made sense that you kind of need an action action scene at the beginning. But I'm watching it, thinking, man, he's really, you know, he shows up. He's already got heat on him. You know, he's bringing a couple of troopers in tow. They're like in the middle of the city. That's like walkers. I'm like, why? Are, you could have met even rendezvous somewhere, and then have him take you to the camp. But yeah, it just it didn't make a lot of sense. But made I've, for a good scene. But I've You're got so two. Right. I've got two points on this. One, Anna and Kezra could. Anna and Ezra. So Kanan and Ezra. Wow. Um, I know it's going to get out there at some point. There tries a charm. I know. Thank you. Um, so Kanan and Ezra could have used that opportunity to do some recon in the area because they did make the comment of how everything has changed. And secondly, it was a great chasing, but it did bring up a point. The biker scouts, when their bikes ended up hitting 190, let's say, miles an hour, um, they kind of had a tendency to um, be defective or uh, what's the other word to say? Uh, oh, they kind of blows up. Um, sabotage, that, I think. Sabotage, thank you. Well, yeah, but we didn't kind of get that until you figured out that that was going to happen. But first off, you see him blow up. So, you know, it, it sets up it sets up what's going to happen in the episode because that was like a main thread is there's sabotage right. going on in that fa- in that facility on Lothal. It was kind of funny the first time they, they writer mentioned, you know, we got to get up to 190. I was like, why are they going to like travel through time or something? <laughs> yes, that is exactly what will happen. sorry yeah exactly so 88 miles an hour it's 190 miles an hour um but i don't know so i I mean the the scene was kind of fun at the beginning i love that little moment as you mentioned aaron where they cut the legs of the walker the one thing i still am not a big fan of just to be totally honest is the design of lothal it seems very sparse and not like a tatooine desolate type of sparse but just it still feels like it's kind of like bland textures and like low animation budget. We're just like a yeah. building in a building, and there's not like a ton of like I don't know rocks or texture to the ground. It's just very flat and empty. Okay. What it always but, reminds me of is it's there's two scenes in Lothal. There is they have occasionally have like the city scene, which we saw kind of a lot. In, I feel like in season one, mm-hmm. which works really well. And then there's the 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 planes, and that's it. And, it, and there's that I and think, there's that highway scene where like they have a very that very long stretch of row with the lights and that's literally yeah. all there is. I don't know. Every time I see it, I'm just like, oh, I wish okay. they had like, I don't know. But they it, did have the factory. Limited. It's weird because how do you how do you update it? How do you update the design of the planet? Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, you you have a very fair point. I think in this case they probably could have done it only because they could have said, well, it's the Empire and they're expanding and. They're gonna, I don't know, add some debris or more buildings or I, I, who knows. Even it's Rider's a minor camp nitpick. Looked uh-huh. like Visago's camp. So as true. they were coming up Very on true. it, I was like, "Oh, is Visago going to be in this episode? Mm-hmm. Like maybe Visago has joined forces with Ryder? Like it just because it literally looked like Ryder took over Visago's camp. Yeah, that's exactly most of the time the location. Most of the time, I don't really notice. Um, the the budget i think in in on the show uh but whenever we go to lothal it's i always am always reminded of of the budget i don't know it's it's my one complaint about lothal okay but there was there was enough money in the budget to add some more imperial flags there was a lot of red around like digital they look like digital flags well that's true Mm -hmm. 
And digital billboards are expensive, so they added That's something. No. <laughs> uh, yeah. Try trying to throw something else out there, guys. But yeah. Aaron, you mentioned the camp, and um, you know, and when we get to the camp, we meet Morad Sumar, who is an old friend of Ezra's, and you know, he he thanks he actually thanks Ezra for giving him a chance to make. Dead against the Empire. Steven? Have we met Sumar before? You know what? I thought he was the one that didn't I, he spring them from the troop transport in the first season of Rebels. Like I, yes. I feel like we've Okay, that makes yeah. me feel a lot yeah. better. Like yeah. he seems They're the very ones that did the awkward role. Yes, you're totally right. You're so right. Him and his wife and yep. I think one other character. And the uh the um oh god, it was the same character that was behind him. All three of them Oh, why am I the hammerhead? I think all three of them were sprung at the same time. I know the, the two Athorian. of them were. Yeah, the Athorian. Thank you. Wow. It was on the yeah, it was kind time. of the the character. It was interesting to bring that character back, and then in the purpose that, or in the role that he played, where he's working in an imperial factory, because his farm had been destroyed previously. Exactly. Right. And so you would think the Empire already destroyed his farm, already tried to capture him and he escaped with the help of Ezra but right. yet this they is... still allowed him to work in this factory you know it just seems maybe a fake not identity a good choice. not a good choice to have somebody that you destroyed their farm uh working on your vehicles and that's well, then again it... governor price doesn't necessarily always seem to be the the, the brightest uh of the bunch mm-hmm. uh but you're, well, you're you're actually right and we actually more... saw Morad oh sorry Stephen I would say more importantly this is like the empire's uh i'm blank on the word this is their uh standard operating procedure if you you know fear keeps people in line and make them afraid enough and you don't have to worry about what they're gonna do right because who would dare risk it maybe they'll get the planet blown up although they don't know that yet it's in the works exactly but uh but no we we did see uh morad for the first time in the episode where uh zeb and uh, and Ezra steal a TIE fighter. Um, uh, and now all I can think of it's fight or flight, but all I think can think of is like, can you fly a TIE fighter? Sorry. Um, but yeah, so, so Sumar has been around for a while, but it's, it's fun to see him again. It is a nice touch for rebels. Certainly. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice touch, but it also, it also drives home, you know, later there's a sacrifice that happens that kind of drives home something to Ezra to make him feel more pain to possibly push him more down the dark side if you want to look at it that way mm-hmm. I really don't yeah. want to jump ahead you know because it, we're just we're just at the point of the planning stages of getting them infiltrating into the factory yeah and so that we kind of set up the main conceit for this episode which is the rebels infiltrating the infiltrating the factory and trying to discover what the secret project is that is going on in what is it section a2. So I don't know. So what? Let me ask you guys. What did you when we got to this and find out that there's some secret in the factory? What did you think it was? I thought it was Death Star. William, Aaron. I did too. Oh, I, I totally thought it was a Death Star. Yeah. Reading yeah, the it, servants, servants of the Empire novels that take place on uh, Lothal as well. Mm-hmm. They really were talking about how they were kind of destroying the planet and for its its resources. Right. Um, and so even just reading those books, I always just assumed they were getting materials for the Death Star. And so then when he brought up a secret project and I'm kind of right in the middle of reading through Catalyst. So it was on my brain. Um, and then with Rogue One coming out, uh, you know, this whole Death Star 
project has kind of been on my brain. So I just that's where my brain went first was Death yeah. Star. I, and you were, I was actually blown away it wasn't a Death Star. Yeah. No, I I I like, were two What it was away. was was very cool. But yes. yeah. no, you're right. Yes. Get to that in a moment. We're, we're, we're two weeks away from Rogue One, so I'm like, it's it's gotta be a, a, a Rogue One tie-in, right? Of course yeah. it's gotta it's gotta be. But in fact, it's not. And the Rogue One tie-in happens uh, after we come back from the mid-season break. Um, Jedi Bibliothek found the um, the episode descriptions for the first two episodes of the back half of the season, and um, those are the the that has the the Rogue One tie-in. Interesting. Uh, I can I can read the de- the episode descriptions if people are curious, but I don't want to. They're not really a spoiler, so. Um, here, you know, if, if you don't want to hear, skip forward about 30 seconds or so. Or yeah, I want to hear, uh, yeah, I so hear this. The episodes are called Ghosts of Geonosis, part one and part two. Okay. Very interesting, especially if you've read Catalyst. Uh, and the descriptions, the crew returns to Geonosis to search for a missing rebel team that has tracked suspicious activities and is surprised by what they find there. A missing rebel team, hmm? I don't know. I wonder what that could be. And part two, after finding a missing team member, the ghost crew discovers another surprise on Geonosis and tries to hide it from the Imperial forces. Interesting. So, so timing-wise, with Rogue One, how does uh-huh. it relate to Rebels? Well, Rebels is what? Probably a year or two before Rogue One, I think? Uh, okay. Is that about right? Because I, I, I I I, I'm pretty sure we were like, like... I thought we were three years out. I thought we were. I thought we were th- like at three, and then we we were. Oh, that's true. And we're probably another year in now. now. Yeah. Okay. Two or two change. Well, you know um, what? Make it make it a year and a half. That way, yeah, you're splitting the difference. So we're about right there. <laughs> the easiest way to do it. Yeah. So we're we're getting close. Um, you know, it's a little bit too. I could see some characters appearing, even if, like, I don't know, maybe uh, Cassian or, or or something, since he's already part of the rebellion. Or maybe uh, Saul Guerrero. Or Saul Guerrero. Saul Guerrero. Yeah, it would be great to see Saul return. Uh, I don't know. I bet you we see uh, Trude and Baze. Hmm, that would be interesting. <laughs> you, you know, I, somewhat a uh, sidebar, but I think it's funny that the... Um, oh, shoot, what's the name of the actor who plays Baze? Um, oh. Baze Malbus. Anyway, he has not been at any of the press junkets since Celebration, where he accidentally <laughs> spoiled he's, something. He's been banned. <laughs> <laughs> right, Which I is do very recall. Interesting. He, is, he has not appeared in any interviews. I haven't seen him anywhere ever since Celebration. I don't know if, that's intent, if, that's, if there's a, a connection there or not, I, but it was Probably. kind of funny. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, uh, I, anyway. Sorry. Oh, and a fun fact real quick. This episode was actually set to air. They actually swapped the production um, the a broadcast order of uh, an inside man in the next episode, visions and voices. It was really this one was originally going to be the midseason finale, and just due to thematic connections between this one, between visions and voices and ghosts of Geonosis, they um, uh, they swapped the the episode <clears throat> order. <clears throat> so very interesting indeed. Interesting. So so. The, the, the whole point, we figure out that Phoenix Squadron is actually already planning an attack against the factory, but they need assistance from some other rebel cells if they're going to succeed. Uh, in order to convince them, they need evidence that the secret project they're working on in, in sec- Sector A2 or Section A2 is 
uh, is important enough to take out sooner rather than later. Um, I, I'm curious. Let's go around the table. Tom, you start maybe. Um, what do you think of this concept of like having to convince the other rebel cells? It's very. It's not something we normally think of, but it. You know, it, it's kind of cool. What do you What do you think? I I, I like the. Well, I was going to say, I like the idea of having to convince the cells, but what bothered me is later when the attack actually happened, it didn't appear they convinced many of the cells because, one, I expected well, like I, I expected a bigger presence of a cell when they were going to attack the base. I expected more rebels instead of just what we got, which ended up being like, has, what? Has three? the attack actually happened? I thought well, that was just to like get them out. No, that – see, that's the thing. I mean, was that to get them out? It was, but it was just still, to get them out, I but it was still only three. It's like I, I was looking at it just going, I, I would have tried to have got a little bit more to get them out. But then again, like I said, we jumped to the end. So, yeah. um, you know, but to try and convince the rebel cells, I mean, it seems like they are trying to right now build the rebellion. So at some point, yeah, you're going to have to go through and figure out how many cells you can convince to join and how many are just going to be like, let's say, Saul Guerrera, just like be off by himself and and be his own person so how many cells are going to actually join the rebellion and how many are just going to whittle away and die and just do their own thing so at this point that's the only way they can actually build a rebellion is to sit there and convince them to join so yeah this i mean i feel like and i hope rogue one touches on this a lot as well or if not uh maybe the second half of rebels or next season but this is this is what the rebel makes the rebel alliance so powerful is it's the empire has finally pushed enough people into unifying their causes from system rebellions into something a lot greater. And that's, I, I think one of my favorite parts of rebels is getting to watch this start to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the really cool things that rebels can, can do is really show you how the rebellion comes together like this. Mm-hmm. I'm curious, like how close Phoenix squadron is to kind of the central you know, rebellion with like Mon Mothma and, you know, I'm assuming kind of Leia is involved there in the central. And I, I get the impression that Phoenix Squadron is pretty close to being kind of the core or at least part of the core of the rebellion. But I don't know, maybe they're more fringe. I don't know what you guys think. Well, so we know they've had direct contact with Bail Organa, right? Mm-hmm. So I... I definitely think they're closer than most. Like, the, I'm, my, my, I'm, I'm just theorizing here. I have no idea, but I can imagine like some rebel cells being out there in the middle of nowhere with absolutely no connection whatsoever to, um, to the rebels, right? Or, or to, to the other cells. Like, they're just kind of, you know, running around out there doing their own thing. Um, Phoenix Squadron only. They have two Jedi. I mean, yeah. so they're like they're hogging all the Jedi, <laughs> but. <laughs> You would think that would right there would kind of put them central into the cause. Um, you almost wonder, you know, why uh, Kanan and Ezra aren't, you know, kind of right next to Mon Mothma as far right. as uh, being leaders in this rebellion. Well, is Mon Mothma still part of the Senate right now? She is. I don't. She yeah, I don't. Like, the, the Senate good. hasn't been dissolved yet, so they're still. Yeah, but that doesn't still... mean she hasn't like finished her, you know, her time, if you will. That's that's true, and I guess or Bale was, but we don't. I'm assuming Mothma is still part of the Senate. I I would assume so. At at this point in time, I imagine Bale's probably knows he's under a fair amount of surveillance, um, which is why I think he uses like Fulcrum starts up the Fulcrum program with Ahsoka and the novel Ahsoka. Um, that is Bale who does that with her, right? 
Yes. Okay. Yeah, because that, so, like, that actually I, starts in the book. I imagine Bale knows he's got uh, a lot of attention, and maybe he's keeping Mon Mothma in the back pocket as the, like, something happens to me, you take over. It's not a bad idea. Could, could very well be the case. Actually works. But. So, I don't know, but either way, it's a very... Uh, it's a good it's question. It's very interesting. I, yeah, I really want to... I'm curious to learn more about where where are all these characters we know and and love? What exactly are they doing? And Rogue One might answer some of it, but I, I don't think they'll answer all of it. Oh, uh, that never does. Well, maybe the back half of the season will answer more of it. You have to look at it that way. I mean, they've already given two hints of what's going to happen after Rogue One, and then how many episodes until... Do we have any idea how many episodes for this season of Rebels? Is it a 23 pickup or 22? Uh, it's probably 22 again, if I had to guess. Okay. So then that would mean, what, theoretically 11 episodes? No, those two take away. Okay, five episodes or whatever many is left over. The back half of it, they could always figure out or bring in some of the characters from Rogue One. Mm-hmm. To yeah. tie well, we we're only halfway through, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's Less plenty of time halfway. to figure it all out. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But in any case, we get our first look, I think, inside an Imperial factory. Because I think, let's see, now Rebels has given us the uh, Flight Academy. We've seen the Troop Academy. And now we're seeing the uh, more mechanical side of the Empire's work, I'd say. And there's some nice touches that I saw in the animation when you saw the... Um... Uh, the drives for the at ats coming through, and they had them go. They had them basically when they went to a stop. You saw them do that little bit of a swing. They didn't automatically stop, so there was mm-hmm. a weight mm-hmm. to it. I mean, it's it was nice. And then just within the same factory, they're building Tie Fighter. Uh, the the interior of the Tie Fighters, or the the cockpit of the Tie Fighters, mm-hmm. the cockpit of the at ats, and also in the same factory, they're building um, speeder bikes. So that one factory is built, turning out three products with up fourth one under lock and key yeah I, I wonder how much do they just produce those do they do they manufacture other things as well um i don't know I, i'm i'm curious to learn I, I don't know how much we'll actually learn about this factory but it, it's it's it we don't so actually the, get the next the essential scale. guide yeah exactly yeah. we don't the, actually get the a essential sense guide to imperial factories <laughs> exactly to be fair, written I by pablo hidalgo yeah. No, no. If you're doing an essential guide, you have to do it with uh, Stephen Fry and Stephen. No. Fry? <laughs> Sorry, Jason Fry, Fry and uh, uh, Daniel Wallace. Excuse me. <laughs> Stephen Fry is a very different person who's probably not interested in writing guidebooks on Star Wars. Imperial but I'll Fire. tell you that that would be one heck of a dry read. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh. uh, I like the visual design of the factory and the audio as well. You know, you hear the like, constant chatter in the background. Uh, kind of muffled as they're they're making announcements over the the loudspeaker and whatnot, um, and you know we we see like the the conveyor belts going carrying the walkers everywhere and the uh, and all the other uh, the speeder bikes the ATDPs and stuff so um, it, it's pretty cool but and we even have like the the design of all the factory workers which conveniently obscures their face so you can use one model and yeah. not notice <laughs> that there yeah. are multiple. Well, it also uh, explains why Kane and Ezra, who are probably, you know, shoot on sight at this point, are, uh-huh. you know. Well, they had multiple encounters with Thrawn in person and lived to tell about it. Uh, 
Thrawn Ezra's up to two now, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's a definite picture when you go into Thrawn's room. There's a definite picture of Ezra there. But Thrawn, I can tell, had a feeling when he was walking that line. Even oh, though he yeah. walked past, he knew. Well, he knew there was a rebel there, right? He knew. He didn't know that the Lothal rebels were there. He knew Thrawn's something in that line. Like, Thrawn comes across as, like, the smartest guy in the room, for sure. Yes. But his strategies, maybe they're just above my head, because he's already had the ghost in his sights before. He could have taken them out, and he just mm-hmm. let them go. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, probably for a bigger strategy. But then, now he's got Kanan and Ezra right there in front of him. Um, and like you guys were saying, it sounded, it seemed like he, he sensed there was something mm-hmm. going on, or somebody's in the mm-hmm. room. At the least just have everybody take their masks off. You know, like, yeah, <laughs> it just seems like he, he knows what, and even, I mean, we'll get into later kind of other things we think he might know, but it, what's his end game? Why is he just like, you would think if he takes Ezra and Kane down at this point, that's a huge blow to the rebellion. Why not just do that? He's, I, I keep, I stick by this. They're treating him like a slow burn. He is, mm-hmm. he, he's, he's calculating, he's learning, He's, excuse me, um, he's, he's letting them get away with things because there has to be a massive end game. There is something that I think is the total tell of his end game when we get to the end of the episode and he says something about a certain character that you know he knows the truth. Yeah. Uh, but, to, but, but Aaron well, brings up a good book. Oh, Stephen first. And yeah, no, Stephen, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say, I, I actually think we kind of know Thrawn's endgame to some degree. He tells us in the first episode that you, in order to defeat the rebels, you have to break them up from the inside. Right. And I, perhaps part of his thinking is if you kill, the moment you kill Kanan and Ezra, that's going to be, you're just that much faster. You're going to have like posters of Kanan holding his lightsaber in the air, mm-hmm. you know, fight on, you're going to turn him into a martyr. And maybe Thrawn's plan is not to kill them, which is why he lets them go so much, but instead to. Uh, defeat them from within, demoralize them, something that's going to be a little more lasting uh, and deal a bl- body blow to the rebellion's uh, morale instead of just its, you know, mm-hmm. just its... But, it, but the thing is, do you think that it's only the ghost he wants to destroy from within? Or is he slowly setting up the ghost to be the one that's going to, let's say, infect the rebellion that will have the rebellion fall apart? And he's using well, I think at them this point, as the he's, pawn. He's, he's talking about the Lothal rebels as a whole. Well, correct. But, but so I, I'm, 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 say I don't know if he's actually looking at rebels beyond Phoenix Squadron. And the, I okay. don't feel like we've gotten a good feel for that. I, I just get this feeling that that's like his whole end game is he's toying with basically the ghost and Phoenix Squadron. He knows that's it. But he also must know that there's other cells out there. And the way mm-hmm. to start tearing them apart piece by piece is he's basically using the ghost as the incubator for all this so he can figure out how he's going to do it. Then once he does, then the best way to, you know, get into the rebellion, get into their heads and start it to crumble is, you know, you, what am I thinking? You discredit the ghost squadron because that's going to discredit the Phoenix squadron, which ends up being the the cancer that's going to get inside the rebellion and make it start falling apart. Interesting. You think you might try to discredit them? Huh. Well, 
not yeah. so much discredit them, but but basically use them as the you know use them as the 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 virus or use them as something that that's where he's going to start tearing them apart. And once they start tearing apart that way, or once, once that piece is put into place, it'll start tearing the rest of the rebellion apart because Steven, you said it, you said it perfectly. He can't go right after, uh, Canaan and Ezra because they will be the martyrs. They will be on the posters. But yeah. if he well, were to, if he uh, were well, that to might be too strong, but yeah, but, but <laughs> he, still, he could. I'm, I mean, I think what Aaron was kind of getting at as well is I'm I'm hopeful that all of this pays off at some point down the line. I think it will. I, I really I hope it will because I've been I've been saying that since the last episode, uh, last thrown episode, that I see it as a slow burn. Hey, I, see, I think we we could ahead, be giving no, Aaron, go ahead. we could be giving Thrawn a little too much credit in this situation. Uh, I think he knew something was up. I don't I don't think he's by any means a mind reader. No, um, I don't or see that. Able to, I don't think he knew specifically that Kanan and Ezra were right in front of him, because I think if he did know that, he probably would have mm-hmm. tried to capture them. I, I think I, more, he knew something was up, um, and now the more I'm thinking about it, I'm thinking he may have purposely left these infiltrators alone trying to suss out his, the the mole, you know, with mm. who he thinks may be helping them. And so if he had just straight up captured people, he wouldn't have been able to figure out who was assisting them, which is really what he was looking for at this moment. That's a good point, because he definitely plays the long game. And I did think it was odd, right? He, he lines everyone up and, um, uh, well, well, first he, he orders them to, to stand by their work, right? And uh, basically makes forces them to test their own, uh, their own weapons and, and vehicles course sumar was was the first one picked by thrawn and he's uh he has to sit on the speeder bike and you know go to go to full speed and demonstrate just how fast the, the bike can go and when he starts to hesitate as it's redlining thrawn remotely you know activates the speeder bike and just boom explodes uh and instantly killing sumar which was kind of a, a sad moment for for the character uh who's, who's kind of He's kind of had a hard life, uh, and and it ended in tragedy. Mm-hmm. We're, we're and, and I'm actually going somewhere after this, but um, were you guys surprised at all that uh, he didn't like try to escape? Because um, either way, he knew he was going to die. Right, if he goes 190, uh, so he might as well just try to run away. But or does he... in doing so help the cover still of the rebellion? I kind of hoped he would like, well, I know it's going to explode. How can I position myself so that I'm not killed when it blows up on me? Yeah. And take out Thrawn or take out somebody else with me, if that was going to be the case. I was surprised that they went there. Um, it seemed pretty violent. I mean, it, I know you don't see him blow up, but you do see kind of the part of his helmet you know, off to the side that bounces onto the ground. It's a pretty violent way to go out. Um, oh yeah, and yeah, I was like, "Oh, that was rough," you know. And it thro- it shows Thrawn's ruthlessness. Um, you know, he said, "Yeah, I'm guessing that your <laughs> your defect numbers are going to go down now," which is true. I think they mm-hmm. probably will in that factory because, yeah, if you have to, if you watch one of your coworkers get blown up because of something they did wrong, uh, you probably won't make that same mistake again. Yeah, but the same thing happens later when he pulls out one of the walkers. Mm-hmm. And the walker ends up having a defect and falling apart. 
and it was it, you feel sorry for the guy but it was like no 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 that's not that's not the one I, I i meant the other one you know but that is the best way to instill fear in a workforce is to make sure that if they have to test their own weapons they're doing it right and this defect won't won't happen again right sadly and, and, yeah and, and he even says you know victory and defeat are often determined by the smallest detail. Like he knows the smallest details matter. Mm-hmm. And then that's why like, I, I, I'm not surprised that he detected the, um, sabotage so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, some of the sabotage almost seemed too obvious. Like, you know, when you get to 190, maybe you could like try to, you know, sh- shoot them or something to make it seem like you, I mean, after, after they do an investigation, then, It'll be probably clear what happened, but especially the Walker one, right? The Walker, the ATDP takes one step and immediately falls over. Right. You think you like so, they would have, you know, have the 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 that um that point where it falls apart be uh, a bit harder to find, a bit further out, uh, like with the speeder bike. Yeah, that yeah, would like, make. Well, it's actually in battle. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> we told you know, for it's like it takes one step and just collapses. Mm-hmm. Um, makes far too much sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, I, but the whole the whole scene was so great, and and as soon as Sumar dies, as, as brutal as it was, it was it was fantastic. So you see Thrawn go, and you know, now I have your attention. Know this: you will test whatever you built, whatever you built, you will test personally. It, it just it, he's so chilling, and and uh, uh, it does such a great job voicing him. Um, but this is where we get them all the all the workers lined up in this production line. They immediately lock down the facility, jam all the comms, and this is um, what I was actually starting to reference earlier. And uh, they're they're in line. Thrawn's inspecting everyone. He doesn't have them take off their helmets. They're just you know walking down this line, trying to show their basically you know prove their identities. And um, Kanan and Ezra realize they're they're going to be detected. So Chopper. Causes distraction by you know uh, having a speeder bike uh, crash into into a giant box, and somehow Kanan and Ezra just run away into the hallway. And so I think it was I think it was your point, Aaron. Um, did Thrawn know they were there? Maybe maybe he did know. Otherwise, how else would they have gotten away so easily? You think they would like even if there was an explosion, there was a distraction. They were kind of in the middle of this giant hangar of sorts. You would have thought they would have been seen before they could escape. Well, you can also look at it this way. Maybe he let him go because maybe at that point he wanted to figure out if there was a mole in the building. Exactly. And that, that's exactly what Aaron was saying. Yeah. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So I, I uh, that, that kind of makes me feel a little bit better about that, that one scene. Yeah. Uh, and the, the whole idea that it seems like this comes up a lot in, uh, Rebels, the whole idea of this ID card, uh-huh. like yeah. these cards that you have to have, it just seems like a very manual, you know, in such a futuristic type of world that you actually have this like ID card uh, that they have to scan. And, and luckily, uh, they ran into this droid that just happened to have one on it that uh, that Chopper could steal. Mm-hmm. You guys ever find it funny, like how often Chopper gets repainted? Uh, usually between his normal color scheme and the black one. Do they just like swap his his head for lack of a better word do they actually go and like meticulously paint it and do multiple coats and, it can't yeah. be that difficult right no <laughs> they're just decals 
sticker. Yeah. <laughs> with the, with the, put the Imperial <laughs> sticker on. You know, I mean, they have see... somebody on their crew that paints. I mean, that, that's, that's true. Sabine's like hobby, so she probably doesn't mind doing it. Yeah. Well, I, I don't know. I feel like Sabine likes a little more expression. Artistic. Uh, artistic. Uh, yeah. I do like the color scheme, though. Chopper looks good in the black and red. That's pretty I, cool. I like yeah. him in black. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Chopper, Chopper's good. He, uh, he suits up well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> cleans up nicely. No. Um, <laughs> cleans up nicely. <laughs> But yeah, uh, could use that. yeah. Uh, speaking of, of the the assets, though, I don't know if you guys noticed um, the uh, Kanan and Ezra. They they steal some armor, and they immediately dress up as a biker scout and a stormtrooper again. It's a little odd how often we see biker scouts just walking around patrolling hallways in Rebels. Yeah. Um, yeah. Versus like the rest of the Star Wars universe, where typically they're like just on their bikes. Uh, I think the obvious explanation is Ezra already um, he already stole Biker Scout armor earlier in the season, and Kanan already wore Stormtrooper armor earlier in the season, and so they just reused the assets. Definitely. <laughs> so, so it's saving money. Exactly. Yeah, as soon as he took the Biker Troop armor, I was like, yep, that's uh, they're just using the same models. Yeah. And it, that's okay, I guess that, that, that Sorry, go ahead. I don't think they've ever shown a stormtrooper quite as short as Ezra either. Mm-hmm. So that might be another reason the biker scouts tend to maybe be a little bit uh, in smaller stature and not look as odd when they're shorter. Mm-hmm. So it might have been kind of weird to have uh, Ezra uh, a little short for a stormtrooper. That's a good point. Good <laughs> point. Ezra. Yeah. Um, but, you know, they, they, so they, they do steal that ID card and we get this... Um, this great little little scene where they're they're running through the hallways and actually uh, I, I actually started to jump ahead on myself there's there's one moment where which I kind of enjoyed where Callus is is pressing for information from Governor Price about this secret project because apparently he actually doesn't know what this new fighter initiative is this thing happening in sector a2 but he he's you know claims that knowing more will help him find the rebels in the factory. And given what we learned later in the episode, it's very interesting how he is. Uh, or what trying. we knew ahead before the episode, even correct. We, we did. Right. Right. As, as we all know, he's fulcrum. What? Huh? Shocker. I think, I think ever since they had the episode with Zeb and him on the ice planet and you kind of start to get the feeling, okay, the uh, callous, at some point is probably going to be turned sides. Mm-hmm. And I was start. it's kind of wishful thinking too, because I just like the character. But then when, you know, you had him run into Sabine and you hear Fulcrum's voice and it sounds kind of like him. So you're like, okay, they're, they're making it pretty obvious that Callus is Fulcrum. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when this episode came around and then he starts pressing for information, that was like, I was 90% there before this episode. And then as mm-hmm. soon as he started pressing for information, I was a hundred percent there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, yeah, I, I was. Say, I was. Go ahead, Stephen. Go ahead. I was, I was very briefly. I was very glad that this isn't something they dragged out for an entire season or anything like that. When we felt like it was so obvious, like it was. It was interesting in season one speculating who the original Fulcrum was, um, and you know, and they made it a lot more subtle on it as well. Uh, so I'm just, I'm just glad they didn't drag it out. You're, you're, you're I completely agree with you. Um... They they revealed it at just the right time. They they kind of kept the mischief there for a few episodes, and started you know doling out hints, and then they they just confirmed it. And um, 
it, it, it was good. But the way they revealed it was great too, right? Because they're running down the hallway and uh, they get they, well, they get caught by some by three stormtroopers. And I actually enjoyed how when when the stormtroopers question them about what they're doing in this this secured area, uh, Ezra's just like, "We go or ordered," <laughs> you know? Yeah. He's like, well, how am I supposed to know what we're actually doing over here? Um, and they like pretend like they're in the like they realize, oh no, we're in the wrong section. They they start to walk away and run to List, uh, Lieutenant List, who's been ordered uh, by uh, by Thrawn along with Callus to to secure um, the uh, the sector and and find the rebels. And of course, they immediately run the other way uh, past the stormtroopers, like a, like a little T intersection, and run into a turbo lift. And that's when they see Callus. And for those of you who are those who weren't necessarily paying attention, who didn't really know what might be happening, it uh, it was probably like this like this kind of moment of surprise. Um, but if you really think about it, right, all the clues we talked about, the name of the episode is it's literally called "An Inside Man." It's screaming, you know, this is the Callus reveal episode, um, and so that's why like there's a nice little moment where they start to fight in the turbo lift, and uh, you know they even like cut to the commercial break. When uh, with Callus saying "Don't move, rebels," but when they come back, he reveals that he's actually Fulcrum, mm-hmm. but with the, the code phrase, and he actually does reference Zeb and Sabine and and that sort of thing. You actually, I, I think we may have discussed this on that episode with Zeb and Callus on the ice planet. You kind of got the feeling that once he got back into the Imperial, uh, back into the Imperials, there was something off. Because he did go into his room very austere. There's like nothing there. And it's like, if I remember correct, he actually watched Zeb leave that ice planet. And, you know, it's one of the things where it's like he sees him go into his group. And they're like, hey, welcome back, all the other stuff. Yet when he goes back to the Imperials, it's like, okay, yeah, we saved you. Your room's still there. Go about your business. Like there was nothing. Yeah. Aaron, would you like to see Callus like, more of Callus's internal conflict or his his transition from Imperial to Rebel Spy, because we really didn't see much of that. It's just one moment he was he was bad, and the next moment, like he had this like he met with Ze- he met Zeb and kind of was conflicted, and then all of a sudden he's sa- saving Sabine, and now uh, I think that that whole episode with Zeb was the transition that they wanted us to see. You know, we yep. got a full episode of them two kind of talking. You get to the background because. Previously, we had thought Zeb, we had thought Callus. It seemed like he was responsible for the destruction of Zeb's race. You know the mm-hmm. way that mm-hmm. he had been built up. So you're like, wow, they, there's no redeeming this guy. But then you get their true story behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of retconned it a bit. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a retcon, yeah. and they they're really trying to to make him seem a lot more likable. Um, and I think that episode, the whole purpose of it was to prepare us for him changing sides, so we're ready for it, so it doesn't seem so abrupt. Um, but no, I've, I've, I, I'm just now remembering, I think the last episode I did with you guys was a review of that episode of them in the ice cave, which is, you know, that, a, that might have been, I don't know if that, uh, that was on purpose that you guys brought me back for this one. It actually but, was not, but, uh, it's kind of fitting. We'll, we'll, it worked no, out right. It was on purpose. We're going to totally retcon it. That was 100% on purpose. <laughs> you know what? Totally retcon. Thank you for coming back. We appreciate you being on now. And this is a perfect episode to bring you back on. Actually, you're right. It was, it was the honorable ones. Great so, job. Good, good thinking yeah. ahead, guys. Good good symmetry but, uh, there. 
<laughs> I did like the the interaction in the elevator. I thought it was it was funny when he reveals himself to them, and they're just like, no, they don't believe him because they're they don't like this guy. You know, they mm-hmm. they've had their interactions with him in the past, and uh, we get to see later kind of their their way of uh, initiating him it. into the rebellion. <laughs> yeah, although you know who does like him. Chopper who... loves him. Chopper. Oh, trust him. Trust him. Well, is that is that because Chopper knows? <laughs> That's a I... good question. Would Chopper know? know? You know what? I wouldn't put it past because of the amount of because of the amount of hacking he does. I wouldn't put it past him that Chopper might know. Well, I mean, who do we think knows at this point who he is? I mean, it would be just like Chopper to know and not tell. Not the group. tell anybody. Yeah. <laughs> just. Yeah. And he's laughing on the inside. Like, I knew all along. It's like, well, you're a droid, trust me. And you can see him in the, trust me, trust me. That was that was quite funny. Uh, yeah, I love it when choppers, like, you can hear the words he's saying. Yes. I love it when they do that. And that that was one of those situations where you, you could just hear him saying, trust him, trust him. Mm-hmm. So it was good. And we get some nice moments later on as well with, with Chopper and, and Callus, like when they're in the, in the comm room and stuff. And Chopper uh, doesn't need Callus's access code because he he can he can hack in by himself and you know Callus is impressed. There's kind of like this little uh, bromance going on between the the droid and Callus in some ways. <laughs> it's a very interesting way to look at it, William. <laughs> uh, but uh, but but anyway, um, we also get this great moment. I, I really enjoyed the scene of Thrawn in his office on Lothal, yeah. where yeah, he's sitting the there studying the artwork, and especially the, the section of like a retaining wall which is branded with Sabine's Mark of the Phoenix, and uh, you know the, the, he's kind of quizzing List and and Callus before the big reveal on uh, on what the what the symbol means. Thoughts on the scene? I mean, it's it's obviously very classic for Thrawn. Mm-hmm. This is the type of thing that Timothy Zahn, I'd, I'd argue, made him famous for, or famous with. And with the all right. the and with all the stuff that was in his room, the couple things that caught my eye was the mask of the First Inquisitor when it was revealed that he was one of the Temple Guards. That was mm-hmm. on the oh, desk. I didn't see Kanan, that one. Kanan's old battle mask. Yeah, there yeah. you go, Kanan's old battle mask. And then the other one, and I see it in the show notes, it bothered me was the Mandalorian art that was on the wall. I was trying Really? Why to... did it bother you? Well, it bothered me because I couldn't place it. That's why. I'm uh... looking at it going, where is that from? Where is that from? And I was like, it was one of the coolest pieces that was there, and that's why it bothered me. Not that it bothered me, bothered me. It bothered me because I couldn't place it. And that's why I was like, it's right there in the show notes. It was the Mandalorian art from Ancient Crusades. I think it's interesting. There's a couple pieces of art that stuck out to me. I think it's interesting that you have the Mandalorian art and that Mandalorians have been introduced into this season. I mean, we saw a little bit in the previous season, but this season we've had the episode where it kind of reintroduces the Mandalorians and Sabine's relationship to them. And so we know they're in play. So there's got to be a reason why Thrawn has that art in there. You know, is there going to be a, you know, a bigger end game that's going to include the Mandalorians later on. And that's why Thrawn is studying them. Um, I, it, I expect it's related to Sabine. That's what I think. I, I think because we know, we know that Sabine mm-hmm. has some potentially divided loyalties when it comes to the Mandalorians, or at least mm-hmm. some very complicated history. 
And I think she's also probably the easiest for Thrawn to read, given the amount of art she has created for uh, various things. So my read on it is just that he's going to try and pull Sabine off of the Rebels. Who else else has a big relation to the Mandalorians? Maul. And oh. we know Maul's yeah, going to be in the next true. episode based on the preview. So mm-hmm. I just, I don't know. Like, I just feel like there may be, they might be tying more. And we've gotten Maul, we've gotten the Mandalorians, Sabine's involved. Now all of a sudden you have this art. Um, Maybe Maul yeah. is uh, Joru Saboth. Yes, that's probably it. But <laughs> okay. The other thing that stuck out to me was there was art of, um, it kind of looked like a Twi'lek riding, riding like a, a wolf like character. Yeah, a, the the like, I think was that a, the Bar Dotton statue? Uh, it or, wasn't a statue. Or was it was a like, statue. No, it was drawings. Oh, okay, yeah. Because I know um, there was a there was like a um, there was a photo of the Sindola family. There was their Calicori. There was another photo of um, Ezra from her house. Uh, sorry, not Ezra. Hera from her house. The one of just uh, the one of Hera and her family. There was a couple mm-hmm. photos of Hera. Uh, there was a photo of Ezra. A tie fighter with like a circle and a line through it, um, and um, uh, there was like a hologram of an ancient like ancient Lothal glyphs and, and artwork for like a Loth cat. But I didn't see the other Twi'leks writing something. So I have to I'll have to get a screen grab of it and send it over to you guys. But basically, so David Dave Filoni had released some concept art of ahsoka riding like a giant wolf mm-hmm. i don't know if you guys saw this yeah it's kind of it's kind of uh in homage to princess mononoke the movie because mm-hmm. um, he's a big fan of that stuff and so i guess he had he had talked about in, in one of these panels that he'd been on the idea that he was going to have ahsoka actually ride this creature that was like a giant wolf and he was going to oh, have that i remember beat. that yeah remember this yeah, so, I think it's Celebration or something, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And so if you look at the artwork, in the, it looks like a hand-drawn thing, but it looks so much like that um, concept art that Dave Filoni did and the character riding this giant wolf. And it's got head tails, and you're, I'm kind of like, is that like Ahsoka-type head tails? Is it Twi'lek head tails? I'm not sure. But mm-hmm. I think that was probably in direct reference to some of that concept art that we had already seen. I, I just thought it was an interesting Easter egg. Oh, nice catch. I love that. It's yeah, great, that's impressive. You know, there's something else I'm noticing from the list that's here. Everything there relates to one of the characters from the ghost. Mm-hmm. Except one. Because also, he had on a data pad, because he, he, I think it was in this scene where he comes in, or it's later, a data pad where it shows a schematic of Chopper, and he goes, ah, an unauthorized droid. So he basically has five of the six crew members within this or within this episode have been identified by Thrawn. The one he, unless we don't know, the one he has not technically identified with just that piece is Zeb. Because we've all, it's all been brought up that everything that we've mentioned relates to one of the characters from the ghost. It's a good point. Yeah. Could that have been on maybe the back wall or something like that? Or do you think that's an intentional uh, You know what? I would have to say it could be intentional because if he was the quote-unquote last of his kind... What does he have? If Callus, if that planet was destroyed, it also depends on when, when Thrawn came into the Empire or was brought into the status. 
if there's anything that relates to, to Zeb that we know of. But everything right now points to all the characters of the ghost but Zeb. Be interesting hmm. to see what happens going forward. Good point. Maybe Zeb will be the one that eventually takes him down because he didn't know enough about him. Ah, that I like that be, idea. Could be. I like that idea. I don't know. Because that got, tec- that I have some other theories. Really? Okay, Steven, what's your theory? Well, that's it's skipping to the end of the episode. Okay, okay. I, I'm, I, I hate to say this. I, I'm, I'm going to probably blow your theory out of the water on this one because I got as, as a character, wow, I should say, I got to... I got a bad feeling about this. So anyway, overconfidence the, is your weakness. That's yeah, quite the challenge. Okay. Okay. Can I just okay. throw something out there that I think it kind of goes through the whole episode is how Kanan does not, he just doesn't need eyes. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. when they blinded Kanan, I was devastated because I'm, he was my favorite character in the show and I'm like, wow, they, they blinded him. He's going to be kind of set aside, uh, become more of a mentor, but not really in the action anymore. And then, you know, he starts to gain this ability through the Force to not necessarily need to see because he can see through the Force, which it's great. That's a that's a cool concept. But it literally doesn't seem like it's hurt him at all. Like, he is just as uh, observant and active as he's ever been. I almost wish mm-hmm. there was some, a little bit of a, a pullback on that character that it seemed like it affected him more than it did. You yeah, know, I mean, I, he, had some, he had some emotional damage early on, but once he got over that... I kind of learned how to, to see without seeing, then it wasn't a problem. Yeah. It, you know, it's interesting you say that because I was thinking back to when I watched this episode, when, especially when he was in the helmet, I, I like, I totally forgot he was blind. It yeah. just didn't even enter my brain. There was nothing different about how he acted or operated in, as inside the episode. So yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I'd li- I would like to see them bring that back in a little bit more and maybe tone him back a little bit. So Maybe next week with character. Maul. I mean, what's going to happen? Is he going to like blind his force eyes? <laughs> blind the best his I got. force eyes. Okay. Wow. Okay, yep, we'll go right. with that. You heard it here first. I called it. Okay. Force eyes. All right. So, so anyway, we we get <laughs> back to Callus in the com room with everybody, and this is this is a spot in which I really thought was fun was Callus mm-hmm. is backing into the comm room and basically he's quote-unquote holding off the Jedi. And, oh, he gets kind of force-pushed against the glass at a certain point, you know. <laughs> and it's it was fun because you got to see Ezra and Kanan enjoy kind of beating up on Callus now that he's on their side. But Well, think about what it says, that Callus is willing to be beat up like that, too. But it has to be, it has to look good. It has to look like he mm-hmm. really was not. Yeah, but that, that was. I don't, I don't think he was expecting. Good. I don't well, think especially he was the last one. It. Especially well, the last so the, yeah, the, the first one, right? He, they they kind of force push him against the wall, and you, you get Ezra and Kanan kind of like you know being uh, annoyed with each other, like oh, you know you could have warned me you were going to do that. What was the fun in that? You know. Yeah. Um, and then then talking about like, uh, you know who was who was actually going to do it, um, but what uh, once they once they get the they're able to break the um, the encryption, so they can now communicate with with Ryder again. They they find out he's going to attack the East Gate, so they should uh, head over to the East Vehicle Pool and that sort of thing. Even though, and this I, lo- I like how they mention this, how um, Ryder knows that Thrawn kn- Thrawn knows the obvious place to attack is the East Gate is the East mm-hmm. si- uh, side because it's um, 
it's all the the weakest. So of course the obvious one. But if they do that, they can allow time for the the rebels to plan their their real escape. Um, but then there's the second. You know, as they're as they're leaving, they decide to make it look good, and and uh, and Ezra um, force pushes Callus through the glass. Like he like flips over the table, hits the wall, and slides down. Like, ouch! Classic. And we get this great interaction. Like Ezra, what? That was convincing. Yeah, but I was gonna do it, you know. <laughs> and they're talking about how well now that he's one of us, you'll you'll get the chance. And so, I don't think. Kanan, I don't think, was expecting it at all. Um, but yeah. I love how they're just mm-hmm. running they're just with it. T- completely taking advantage of me. Like, okay, well, not quite sure I believe you that you're on our side, but if you are, we're gonna we're gonna milk this for all it's worth and get our revenge. Yep. Which is, so I mean that was probably my probably my favorite scene, uh in some ways, just because of how funny it was. Yeah, and then it was at this point that, like I brought up, where now Thrawn's got the he's got the schematic of Chopper, and it's figured out that there was an intrusion. So then he starts deducing, well, if there was an intrusion, then there is an unexpected ally in the Imperial building. That at this point they're going to have to figure out who it is, because they have they are now the rebels have a way to get out, and that ally was able to point him in the right direction. Right, and this is where you they they kind of start to make you fear for Callus's safety, mm-hmm. right? They do that multiple times in the last few minutes of the episode, where Thrawn's like, "Oh, well, they, you know, he, uh, they're the they, they make you think that Thrawn might know about Callus." I, I hate. I, I'm 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 going to say it right now. Thrawn knows. Oh, Thrawn knows. I don't think so. No, Thrawn, Thrawn knows because of the line he said at the end of the episode. Which is? Which is. Um, and I'm going to jump there. Sorry. Sorry. No, I'm let's do it. There. Let's do it. I okay. think it's perfect time. No, I'm, I'm ready, Tom. I'm ready okay. to fight you on this. Fine. Because Thrawn advises patience. He says, we must wait and watch. And when we find our spy, and we will find them, we will turn them from an obstacle to an asset. Wouldn't you agree, Agent Callus. Okay. Now, I, and you I, see Callus's face. Yeah. Okay. And but you also also by the way and again, I, I pointed out Jim Cummings last week for voice acting. Voice actor for Thrawn, the way that was pulled off. I am oh, pardon, pardon. Mads Mickelson. Mads, Mads, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Mads, uh, Mads Mickelson. The way that way that was acted. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. He knows. He knows. And, I and I don't it, think so. What I'm hoping for and what I'm betting on is that Callus will be play the role of the Nogri in uh, the original Thrawn trilogy. Thrawn uh, has planned out every variable except for the one that's right behind him, and that is the crucial thing that. Do you causes... think though? Because Thrawn seems to know that there's someone on the inside. Yeah. Yeah, but all. So... I, I don't think that's going to be enough. No, so I, I think I think Callus will be able to convince him or do something in order to kind of mm. restore Thrawn's trust in him. So, um, so here's my I have a, I have an alternate third I have a third theory, and we'll let uh, Aaron be the tiebreaker and or okay, introduce him. another theory. Um, what if what if Callus is a tr- double agent? What if 
he's we we think he's fulcrum we think he's helping the rebels but he's actually been helping thrawn the whole time put the rebels in situations where they can analyze them and get to know them more and as soon as you know he's he's helped them strategically in a couple of places but what if thrawn actually knows what if they're making a sphere for callus's safety when it's actually perfectly safe yeah okay well i I I could be wrong I feel like that would work well in like a novel, you know, when you have the 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 kind of diehard Star Wars fans that are reading these novels, mm-hmm. you know, really high level, you know. I feel like in this show, when the the audience they're aiming for a double cross like that would be a little much. Mm. Uh, although it's kind of a cool idea, I don't think people would see it coming. But I like Steven's theory just because I think it would be cool. I think I do like uh, that one too. <laughs> the not the the idea of the Nagri. I think that would be a, a great kind of callback to Thrawn's ultimate end in the novels. Was his you know he was so calculating, but he kind of saw or kind of missed right what right what was under his nose. Um, so I think I kind of hope that's the way they go with it. That'd be great. But it does seem like he is. I don't know if he knows Callus is. Um, betraying them or if he's just suspecting it at this point i think at this point he's just suspecting it and i think mm-hmm. he's going to test callus in a future episode and i like the idea of callus kind of regaining his trust at some point so uh so he's kind of off his radar which makes his inevitable trail betrayal even more right uh so hard hard for yeah i'm gonna stand by my my thing saying that he knows because the way the way they have Thrawn right now, the way he's calculating, the way he's studying, the way he's this, the way he's that. He even said that after analyzing, al- sorry, after analyzing the Rebels' escape, it's clear they had help from within our ranks. Because he said that, I believe, after he said, I read your report, Agent Callus. And it seemed from, from everybody, and I'm going to paraphrase because I'm trying to remember what was said, but it's like from, from the Imperials that were involved, Basically, in so many words, you did a good job in trying to defend, you know, the area. But there's just something about the way he said that at the end where he just doesn't believe him at all. You know, it's almost like it's too obvious that, yeah, you defended, but you could have done, you're still, compared to everybody else, no, there's something wrong here. So I'm, I'm going to, I, I think he got caught. I think Thrawn is going to use him as bait, and I think um, Double Agent would be cool. And I think in the I think for this series that would be an outstanding thing to do. But so know. I if we get an episode where they talk about the reliability of uh, Callus's information, and they make any mention about how trustworthy he's been thus far, I 100% agree it'll be the double, the double agent. I just think mm. if they're going to do that, they really have to telegraph it. Mm. Yeah, could could be, could be. I guess we'll we'll see. Either way, I think um, there's a lot of fun potential here for for stories. Oh yeah. <clears throat> but uh, but of course, the rebels have to escape. Right, the episode's not over. Um, so Lieutenant Price, uh, Lieutenant Price, Governor Lieutenant Price, Governor Price, yes. Lieutenant List. Uh, deploys the walkers, so Kanan uh, K- K- and Ezra are able to fit right in, and um, uh, and uh, at least they they fit in until the ATATs realize that 
ATDP216 is actually not part of the operation. And that's when Thrawn immediately orders the destruction of the uh, of the the ATDP, the stolen the stolen walker, which I guess they got lucky or not all the walkers are sabotaged um, because they didn't have any issues. So we were talking about this earlier. Does maybe Thrawn didn't was attempting to kill them at this point, or maybe just hoping to get lucky because he certainly it did doesn't seem hold like back. he wanted them dead. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's true. That's true. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe he got what he wanted if he was going after the infiltrator. Yeah. I don't know. I loved Ezra's like tactics as as they're driving the the ATDP and they're hiding behind the leg of the of the wa- other walker so the the other AT AT can't shoot him. Oh, that was great. I yeah. It was very yeah. comical, and I like how Ryder is like, is that Bridger? You know, he it's like he can he recognizes the style uh, Ezra's kind of haphazard tactics, mm-hmm. and how insane to see two ATATs fighting an ATDP. Um, you know, it, it was uh, it's it, it was definitely a, a a fun scene, especially the moment where the ATAT ATAT two seven one actually decides to lay down and crush the ATDP. That was uh, cool. Until it explodes. Yeah. And, you know, at, at first, um, when, I was, when I was originally watching it, I was like, wait, what are, what are they doing? Why are they going at the top? They're, like, squishing them. I went, oh, wait, of course, lightsabers. So they cut mm-hmm. right <laughs> through into the ATAT and, um, and were able to, to hop out before the their, their walker exploded, which was just... That was a good so time. so yeah. so creative yeah yeah and, and I especially like the comment yeah there was more room in that one yeah exactly yeah it's oh, it's 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 much much bigger mm-hmm. uh, the but imperial that's when, was like uh, what did he say they never had a chance and then they're like we had a chance yeah exactly. they just, they're standing right behind them exactly uh, I love the the Ezra Kanan cool Jedi moments that they slip into this show. Um, we we can go entire episodes without them, but I like it. This episode had the the one at the beginning where they cut down the walker together, and then they have this scene where they you know they're a great team, and I like it to see them you know pull out their lightsabers and you know do cool Jedi things. It's it's one of the uh, one of the key ingredients in a in a good episode of Star Wars Rebels for me. I, definitely. I, I definitely agree. I have to ask though, why do you think Ryder only attacked the facility with two speeders? And like three guys. Yeah, yeah, that, that's that's what, that, that's what I was saying. I, 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 I expect a little, a little bit more, more, you know, you know, a little bit more to help them out. Well, maybe just they didn't have very much in the way of resourcing. Good I'm also point. actually surprised. How long was he attacking at the East Gate before he was discovered, or before the rebels escaped? I don't I feel like it doesn't sound like it was very long. Okay, because I. Two speeders wouldn't last very long, but I guess if it were only a couple minutes, it maybe would have been okay. I, I I was under the impression that like they were just deploying the troops when, um, when 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 the Kanan and and Ezra hopped in the ATDP. That's hmm. that's what I assumed at least. It was like right then. Yeah, but, it seems like the rebel cell on Lothal is, is pretty small at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't have like a big group. I mean, there's like five it, of them. It was pretty much 
you know, the crew of the Ghost used to be the Rebel Cell on Lithol, and they left. So, <laughs> you know, they there's not really much of a, a Rebel Cell here anymore. So it doesn't surprise me they only had a, a few things at their at their uh, you know as resources to to help them. But there must they seem be to be some... much more focused on active sabotage as well instead of you know actual combat. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. It seemed like that somehow the Rebel Cells, like you said, Stephen, that's what they wanted to do mostly than actual fight. You know, and what better way until this point, they could actually fight the Empire by actual sabotage. So. Uh, But there is one thing that we got out of this that actually was really cool, because when Chopper got into he got into the uh, Imperial Network, what did he find that is stuck over there in the secret area of 8A. 8-2, wasn't it? A-2, sorry. Mm-hmm. Whatever it was. I'm Close sorry. enough. You know what? At some point, I'll get this right. It's a Monday night. I don't have it's my fair. coffee yet. Yeah, I know. You know, know. It, was, uh, it was something that Theron tried really hard to defend. Did he? Uh, he, just, he just tied and tied to defend it, and he just couldn't. <laughs> God, that was bad. You're was awful, bad. William. I, just, I yeah. hope you realize that. Yeah. Uh, Strike that from the record. As as our resident uh, vehicle expert, do you want to tell our our good listeners? For the longest time, this is actually my favorite starfighter in Star Wars. It is, of course, the TIE Defender, in case your awful puns weren't clear enough. (laughs) Uh, But it it debuted in the uh, 1994 game TIE Fighter on the PC, which I believe was the sequel to X-Wing as well. Um, but it's obviously known by its distinctive tri-wing design, and uh, I'm trying to think, in the previous Expanded Universe, I don't believe they ever came around until post-Endor. So it's interesting that we're seeing it so soon, or I should say seeing the plans for it so soon. I don't know if we'll actually see the fighter. I would I would hope so. That would be fun if we see it in this series. Mm-hmm. But it's uh, fascinating that the, the ship is being built on Lothal, and like being developed here on Lothal. Of all places, but the but the interesting thing is, Lothal has been a major character or a character within the series for how many seasons? So mm-hmm. as I've always mentioned, if you're going to call attention to something, there has to be a payoff. They always keep going back. Even Thrawn says they always go back. So they're developing the story of why Lothal is so important. Now, is this the only thing on Lothal that's important? Is this Tide Defender, or is there something else? Because they can't always I... keep going back at this point. I think at the moment, I expect in the second half of the season, we'll see the rest of the Rebel raid on Lothal. And it will, uh, I don't know, I think it'll be probably important. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if part of Thrawn's goal was to leak the plans to the TIE Defender so he could draw multiple Rebel cells into an attack on the system. Well, that was also the impression I got toward the end of the episode, that it was a thing that he wanted to leak. Because there was something I can't remember it offhand, but I thought I I thought there was something that he said that it seemed like he wanted these things. Now that they're out there, it doesn't bother him that they're out there anymore. So yeah, let it leak. Hmm. You know. Yeah. It it'll be interesting to see what happens for sure. Yeah, I, I hope we get to see the Tide Defender be used, but maybe not. Right? Maybe it in keeping with um uh with if they're trying to stick with canon. Maybe the Tide Defender won't actually, you know, surface until, 
maybe uh, almost around at the time of Endor or slightly later. Um, uh, I imagine at this point, this is something Rebel is doing as a whole, actually, is we're seeing the B-Wing early. We've seen TIE interceptors already. Mm-hmm. Um, they're assuming, I think, that production lines for the Empire are li- probably one to two years long. Mm-hmm. So we are, we only have the first TIE interceptors out, which is why they're not around in Episode 4. There's not enough of them built to be in any number. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not entirely sure I buy that, but it's the best explanation I have thus far. And the TIE Defender is a more expensive ship is probably going to be a little bit uh, longer in coming. Well, on top mm-hmm. of that, it is going to be an expensive ship because this one has shields compared to all the other TIEs. Yeah. So... Uh, has shields. It has six laser cannons, I believe. In some yeah, versions, there's a tractor on... beam or yeah. a small tractor beam on it as well. It has a hyperdrive, which most TIE fighters do not. Um, yeah, it was it was one of my favorite ships for a long, long time. Yeah, it's it's cool. I, I love seeing it in here, and it's yet another classic uh, Legends vehicle that that rebels has been including uh, in the last uh, you know, in the last season i mean the whole series they've, they've been doing it they, uh, way more than the clone wars mm-hmm. ever did which i mean makes sense because you know clone wars is the wrong time period in, in many ways well but. and at the time clone wars didn't have to worry about bringing things back into canon because things already were canon there is that too. very yes. true <laughs> there is that too uh but no it's just it it's really cool i i, I love seeing it i love seeing it and while it wasn't the Death Star, that's okay. Uh, the Tide Defender was a was a great um, was a great substitute. And it was kind of funny when they first revealed it. I was like, "Aw, it wasn't the wait. That's the Tide Defender." I know. That was about <laughs> my took, response too. It took me like a moment. It was like a moment of like brief sadness and like like excitement. And um, <clears throat> for those of you who uh, who listened to our last episode. Uh, I actually have to give uh, David mm-hmm. uh, Beal, our, our guest from last week, you know, um, some props. He guessed the vehicle last week uh, and had no knowledge that it was actually going to be in the next episode. And um, that blew my mind. Yeah, it, it blew. Yeah, like, that was we hard. We did a spit take when we, you know, when we yeah. heard that. You, if you actually go back and listen to the episode, you can you can hear our like stunned silence for a second or two. And then we like quickly tried to recover it and, and just pretend like nothing had happened. Um, Didn't hear a thing. But, you know, because we were, we were speculating, what, what, what could be this, this secret project? And he's like, how about the TIE Defender? And we're like, well, what? <laughs> how did you know that? How did you, how did you come up with that? So Talk about a homeless um, oh! Yeah, exactly. It was, that was, it was pretty impressive. And he, he, he had no idea uh, that he was actually uh, so true. It was, he was so right. So... <clears throat> um, Wow, I I think we've uh, we've about exhausted uh, this yeah. episode. Any any I, final thoughts? I like tight defenders. I'm good. Please be in the next episode. Tide Defenders. I like how Zeb might... realized that he's the one that recruited Callus. Yes, you're right. We, we never like, mentioned. I guess right. I recruited him. That. Yeah. 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 Well, when yeah. you don't kill each other, that's basically becoming friends, right? I, in I in guess an imperial so. rebel sort of way, yeah. I mean, it, you know, I, I, yeah, because I do love how he's like, uh, I must have recruited him accidentally. We didn't kill mm-hmm. each other, so I, I guess we're friends now. It, it was, it was a, it was a nice, funny moment. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to see Callus make it through this. Like, I want I want him to make it through yeah. his you know confrontation with Thrawn that we know is probably going to come up. And I want to see him actually join the rebellion in an active role, not just kind of this behind the scenes. Like once mm-hmm. his cover is blown, you know, he can full time join the rebellion. I think he would be a cool character to have in the canon, somebody that they can use in maybe a comic series or novels, mm-hmm. you know, maybe explore the character further. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope he doesn't meet his end in this TV series. Yeah, I, I would like to see him act on. Uh, I'm blanking on the name of the rebel base, but. Um, uh, interacting, yeah. Thank you. I want to see that him with the rest of the rebels actively running missions, being that kind of awkward third member of the crew. Or not third, but like eighth or whatever it is. Okay. So do you, do you think he will survive? I mean, uh, is, he, I, is Thrawn gonna find him out and, and kill him, or will he survive and I mean keep being a double agent or um, a spy and a double agent, or will um, or or do you think he'll? Uh, He'll actually like, join the the rebels proper. I'm gonna let you. All, I'm, I'm gonna let you guys go first. I could see them giving him like a really noble death. You know, maybe he, maybe he doesn't do the whole Nagri and stab Thrawn in the back, but maybe he like self destructs Thrawn's star destroyer or something. You know, kind of it goes down with the ship. Um, I yeah, hope he survives, but I don't know. It wouldn't surprise me at all if they kill him. Yeah, I guess we'll see. I I hope he doesn't. I hope he doesn't die because he's a cool character. I like. I I'd, I'd like to see the character survive. I don't think so. I'm I'm not putting money on it. So. Womprat Womprat rating scale on that note. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Aaron, why don't you go first on this one tonight? Uh, this was a pretty solid episode, and I think uh, the last couple episodes of Rebels have been a, a little low for me. Mm-hmm. I wasn't a huge fan of the last couple before this, so I was ready for something like this. Um, I was ready for uh, you know Kanan and Ezra to have a couple really cool moments, which they had. Uh, we got some good chopper humor, which is always good. Uh, we got Thrawn. We got Callus. We got the reveal of Fulcrum. So this was a good one for me. It's not like top... But I'm going to give it seven Womp Rats. Okay. Speeding away on an overheating seven speeder. Seven Womp Rats. Sounds good. Oh, go. what, what happens? Do they die? What, what speed are they going? Depends on how fast they important. Go. Do you say what speed are they going? Yes. <laughs> how fast are they going? If I'm going to use proper English. 88 miles an hour. No. Uh, 190. There you go. Well, I know. What you were looking for. Yeah, I know. 190. That was one point twenty one gigawatts. Sorry, my I'm back to the future here. Not landing tonight. Anyway, yeah, I'll go All next. Right, well, yeah, Tom, go for yeah, it. I'll go next. You know what? Solid episode. Um, I am really, really liking the Thrawn episodes. I'm very intrigued on how they're going to move forward with him and what the end game is. That's why anytime Thrawn is in an episode, I am just I, I I love what they're doing with him, and I like this episode. Um, I'm giving this. It was a very solid episode. I looked at last week, going did I? Yeah, I, I remember giving last week's episode an eight because it was Jim Cummings, 
And I'm like, this for me is a solid 8 as well, but I'm going to have to go 8.5 on this one a little bit better because it was better than last week's episode because uh, it was a better it was a better story to me than last week's because last week it was a one-trick pony with, um, with Hondo. This was more in-depth. So I am taking my 8.5 Womp Rats. And, um, you know, I'm going to put them in that at-at that was kind of hiding Kanan and Ezra and it really wasn't so much the lightsabers that kind of got them out of the, that little chicken walker it was the um, eight and a half womp rats that were kind of sitting there kind of eating a hole as well to help them up into that other at at so sadly they met their fate in the end but you know they did help Kanan and Ezra get into that at at before it got squished so that's they went out heroically well what else can you ask Poor for womp rats. I know I know. Who's up next? I can go next. Okay. So I'm going to give it uh, an 8 out of 10. I thought it was just overall a very good episode. Um, the only thing that really bothered me, I think, is what we talked about at the beginning, where Lothal just does not look like mm-hmm. a season 3 planet of Rebels, if you will. Plus um, but I, thought, <laughs> I thought the story was really good. I enjoyed... Uh, how Thrawn worked in this episode. I loved Callus in this episode, I think, most importantly. Um, he just, every scene he was in worked out very well, very well, either from a humor standpoint or especially from like a tension standpoint. Um, so, like I said, uh, oh, and of course the TIE Defender, which is my favorite ship. And so I feel obligated to give it a pretty good rating. Mm-hmm. Um, so, eight out of 10. And I think uh, all eight of my Womp Rats are just going to be like, we obviously, none of the uh, resist, the rebels were able to get workers in in section a2 which is suspicious because you know working on a tie defender is really difficult um thrawn actually employed eight womp rats to build his prototypes just to make sure it was all secure interesting just just eight womp rats can hey, build tie defenders you would be surprised how industrious womp rats are i'm just <laughs> saying nice nice um well, I, you know, I, I think I can run this out. I, I enjoyed uh, the episode quite a bit as well. Um, I mean, we've got Thrawn trying to, to find a, a, you know, a saboteur in their midst. We've got uh, Agent Callus in the big reveal. <clears throat> we've got um, the Tide Defender. There's so many great moments in this episode. Um, and and so I think I'm going to give the episode uh, a, a eight and a half out of 10 um and my eight and a half womp rats are going to be thrown through the glass uh and uh slammed <laughs> into the wall just like callus it's a little harsh don't you think you know it's harsh but those womp rats deserved it they were evil evil womp rats. you know what steven you'll get your chance it was it was actually Stephen your eight womp rats that are working on the tide oh engine. no uh I, I threw them through the through the glass and somehow an, an extra half appeared. Uh, it's very That's, confusing. Uh, that is very confusing. The force works in mysterious ways. Yes. All is as the force wills it. So, okay. You know, yeah. Okay. So coming up on the next ion cannon podcast or coming up on the next rebels episode, it's going to be season three, episode 11 visions and voices. The synopsis is, haunted by visions of Maul, Ezra must journey across the galaxy to engage in a strange ritual to serve his, uh, to sever, sever. his connection. I'm sever. is the word. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, sever. Late, guys. I'm hungry. 
Um, it's like, I think I should, I think I need a Snickers bar. Anyway, uh, to sever his connection with Maul. So, so this is the mid-season finale. Um, we've already discussed we're not getting a Rogue One tie-in to this. It's going to be later. Um, anything else? Anything else to speculate? Uh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I am very, I'm very excited for this. This episode is written by Brent Friedman. Nice. Uh, Friend of the show. Friend of the show. And uh, I mean, it has them all. And I find the concept of Ezra having this connection to to Maul uh, fascinating. Um, And so I'm very curious to see what they, where they take this episode. It's going to be more Maul trickery. He's all like, Ezra, you have to sever your connection with me. But really he means, Ezra, I'm going to try to make you my apprentice again. Mm -hmm. And, (laughs) You know, we did you guys see the preview like clip? I, I saw the one at the end of the Star Wars show. They they debu- they debuted one today while I was at work, and I haven't seen that one yet. I haven't okay. seen that so one that debuted today. Yeah, the one that came out today is pretty interesting. You get to see Maul in uh, almost like his little cave of um, Jedi Ooh. slash Sith trinkets, and uh, he uh, he has the dark saber there as well, and he's all um, making sure Ezra doesn't touch it. So. Yeah, pretty interesting. And it, the whole this whole new concept of kyber saber crystals or kyber crystals mm-hmm. and lightsabers and you know the color that they turn based on who mm-hmm. uses it. It's it I, it. I find it all fascinating. I, I really want to learn more about. You know, we we learned from the Ahsoka novel that that uh, kyber sabers that have been you know forced to their will can bleed, and then that's why Sith have red lightsabers. And, you know, we kind of know the Jedi colors, but what does a black lightsaber mean? You know, is there a black kyber saber crystal in there? Is there even a, a crystal in there at all? It's interesting. Oh, that's interesting. I hadn't Very. even thought about that. Yeah, so learning- I, I, wanna, I want to know more. I, I can't wait. I hope they reveal some things like that in, in the show. If not, uh, a nice behind-the-scenes guide would be cool. Well, there's interesting things going on in the book Catalyst. Because from what I've been reading and since I'm doing the audiobook, there's a lot of d- discussion about the kyber, say, kyber crystals in that book and a lot of experimentation yes. with those. Yeah. So Which you're learning a lot that you'll, way. You'll have to listen to our Rogue One Catalyst review. Mm-hmm. Coming up we... very soon. Very soon. Actually, next week, in fact. We're going we're gonna, to um, record these out of order. We're actually going to record our, our Rogue One review on uh, this weekend and then uh, the Catalyst next day, review. Wait, wait, wait. Rogue, no, no, no. Rogue yeah, One wait. Catalyst. No, I wish I, I, Rogue I was, One I, review. I, no. I know. I was going to say... I, I was going to say, did you get invited to some kind of screening there to, <laughs> no. like this weekend? Neither did I. Not at all. So, no, Tom, anybody... I actually, I already have it on Blu-ray. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. Of course, of course you do, Steven. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, Just to be uh, clear, I do not have an extra copy of Rogue One. Don't So don't ask me for it. I'm sorry. I, I do. I have I have two copies of Catalyst. If you, uh, oh, no. oh, you mean the movie. The movie. <laughs> You know, out of those. But you know what? P- p- people have seen the first what twenty eight minutes of the of the film, and they seem to be very uh, very excited about it. So we'll we'll see. Uh, we will see. Very but cool. uh, but yeah, well, we're going to review our, our our reviews of Catalyst will come out right before uh, Rogue One, just a few days before. Um, so stay tuned for that. That's going to be a lot of fun. Cool. Aaron, thanks for and, joining us tonight. Yes, thank you for having me. It's been we a great always time. love having you on. 
And we'll have you on for the next uh, Kalos episode. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the one where he uh, finally kills Thrawn. Make sure I'm on that one, yeah. That one, or or if he's a double agent. One of the two, yep. you'll, you'll be yeah. on that one. You'll be on. <laughs> perfect, perfect. Uh, you want to plug your uh, your excellent podcast? Sure. Uh, so I have a podcast all about Star Wars literature, and it's called Star Wars Bookworm. So if anybody that's listening to the show hasn't heard of it yet, um, I would love for you to check it out. I do that podcast with Teresa Delgado. I also do another Star Wars podcast about Lego Star Wars called Star Scavengers. And we talk about all things Lego Star Wars, including the Freemaker Adventures. I do that one with Jonah Marie Macias. Yeah. So very cool. great, great Check show. Actually, uh, the Freemaker Adventures Blu-ray, I think, uh, just comes out tomorrow. Right. Comes out tomorrow. Yes. Yeah. So we as we're, as we're recording this, talking about that, and hopefully we we have a couple uh, cool interviews lined up. We're trying to get the creators of the show. Actually, they asked us to be on the show. They're just trying to get it approved from Lucasfilm right now. Ah, uh, nice. So, oh, cool. So they're, they're so much fun to talk to. Yeah, so hopefully we'll have them on uh, pretty soon to talk about the Blu-ray and stuff. And, man, crossing our fingers for season two because Freemaker Adventures is a fun show. I'm nice. surprised I haven't heard anything yet. Yep, hopefully, they, hopefully that doesn't mean there's not going to be a season two, but... We'll see. Oh, I'm I'm sure I'm sure. Yeah, we'll it was it was a fun show. Yeah, I, I'm sure we'll get another season. So anyway, well, like, thanks again. Uh, people can find you um, uh, on on Twitter as well, and um, yes, Twitter at AV Goins. Uh, Star Wars Bookworms is at SW Bookworms, and then at Star Scavengers for the Star Scavengers podcast. Cool. Awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, thanks again. And we'll be back next week with our review of Visions and Voices. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away, including Rebels, the sequel trilogy, spin-off films, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help the show grow within the Star Wars fan community. Visit our website, ioncanningcast.com, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also get in touch with us by emailing contact at ioncanningcast.com. The Ion Cannon Podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any of their respective trademark or copyright holders. Any and all opinions expressed on this show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans for fans and is copyright 2016.